Welcome to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Tuber Talk is produced by Potatoes in Canada magazine. You've tuned in to hear about the people and the ideas making a difference in the Canadian potato industry. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our sponsors. Special thanks to our podcast sponsors, NutraAg, who are leaders in foliar and specialty crop nutrition solutions, and their technology platform, NutraAnalytics. NutraAnalytics combines standard tissue testing with proprietary algorithms and artificial intelligence to predict yield class within 85% accuracy. More than 100 Canadian potato growers trust NutraAnalytics to optimize their nutritional programs. To learn more, check out Nutrag.com and MyNutraAnalytics.com. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Tuber Talk. I'm Stephanie Corden, the editor of Potatoes in Canada magazine and your host for this podcast. So today I'm joined here with Sebastian Marguerite, Director of Agronomy at NutriAg Limited. And also Kelly Nesek, Field Research Specialist, also with NutriAg Limited. Thank you both for joining me. Today we're recording this episode remotely, not because of convenience, but more so necessity as COVID-19 is still a big deal. So before we start, you know, let's talk about how have you two been impacted? Yeah, so COVID-19 has definitely imp- impacted NutraEgg like a lot of other, other businesses, but we're doing all that we possibly can, you know, so it's business as usual for our growers and dealers. Um, normally at this time of year, we're doing a lot of grower meetings and dealer trainings in person, but obviously because of COVID-19, that isn't possible. So we've adapted and we're offering training online with the use of WebEx and Zoom meetings. I know we had a great first week last week with the launch of our NutriEgg Academy, and that's continuing into this week. Um, we're still taking calls from dealers and growers at this time, and we're helping any way we can over the phone and through emails. Um, prior to this, Sebastian had mentioned to me that in California, our sales agronomists have been granted access to walk fields and continue their ergonomic services while making sure, obviously, to practice social distancing. I can see the same thing happening here in Canada if restrictions are still in place when planting starts. I know our production facilities and warehouses are still up and running. You know, we're working really hard to ensure that product is still being made and shipped in a timely manner. Um, It's been a big change for us and how we normally do business, but we have some pretty adaptable people in this company and we're all working really hard to make sure that things are ready for when the season starts. And I think that's so important because when you think about agriculture, even a couple of weeks delay when it comes to planting can make a big impact on your entire season. So that's great to hear. For today's episode, though, we're going to talk about how you normally work with growers um, in a quote-unquote normal season. So let's start at the pre-plant stage. Generally, what are some of the biggest concerns for potato growers in the pre-plant stage? Yeah, so obviously that really has to do with uh, the time frame you're talking about, but generally a lot of the growers we're working with, we've been working with for uh, in some cases decades, 
And at that point, the first talking point that we like to address is things like crop rotation. So I'm in Nova Scotia, but I can see Prince Edward Island from my house. Uh, and basically in PEI, uh, there's a three-year crop rotation that's mandated. So really potatoes have to be grown in that kind of uh, time frame. We do have growers that'll go all the way to four to five years, um, but we also have in different regions all the way down to growers that are, you know, potato on potato. So not something we advise, but uh, sometimes the reality of uh, certain situations. So we like to have conversations about that. Last uh, time we were together on the podcast, I was talking about our MEY group in Toronto. We have a meeting every year uh, that we bring people from all around the country to have these conversations. And crop rotation was really one of the things we talked about the most in those meetings. Uh, so when I started 10 years ago, that really meant on the island the three-year rotation of grain, hay, and potatoes. But that's changed so much uh, with people using things like mustards uh, for as a biofumigant, uh, buckwheat, and things like that. But once that's kind of discussed, and or if we're talking about a grower, we're starting brand new, let's say in the spring, we really like to go over their soil samples. So we really encourage growers to make sure they get a good uh, comprehensive soil test uh, to follow proper uh, soil sampling procedures. And basically we'll help uh, with making crop specific granular fertilizer programs. So there's a lot of difference in terms of nitrogen requirements across varieties. And uh, we probably work with 50 or 60 different types of table and uh, seed varieties. And uh, yeah, as far as even determining some of the considerations on what forms of nitrogen to use, if you're looking for acidification, for scab suppression, we'll have conversations and try to guide growers in the right direction with that as well. Um, and yeah, incorporating uh, granular applications of magnesium and sulfur, and basically also trying to find out the ideal potassium levels for basic crop removal expectations and the history of the field. Mm -hmm. So I guess for in the pre-plant stage, you're talking with growers about crop rotation, you're looking at their soil tests, and for you specifically, and I guess Nutrag in general, you guys are more focused on the nutrient side of things? Yeah, I mean, we will talk to growers about a lot of other topics. Obviously, we're not uh, the absolute experts when it comes to things like uh, crop protection, and we often steer people in the right direction of the, of the local reps in that area if they have questions. Uh, but when it comes to fertility, that's definitely a domain we consider ourselves to be experts in. And so, yeah, there we'll basically look at how we can incorporate certain inferos treatments, for instance. So uh, it's very common now to have an insecticide and fungicide application at planting with a liquid applicator. Uh, some people in Ontario use a, a high phosphorus starter. In our area, we tend to focus on zinc and calcium. And so we've seen really nice responses to Calcimax, Inferro, and Zincmax. Uh, improved uh, quality of the of the crop basically after harvest. Uh, we've heard anecdotally from growers that we've they've seen improvements in things like pressure brews after incorporating uh, calcium in their inferro programs. And generally, with things like zinc, it's very much important for keeping a nice large leaf size because it's so tied into the auxin uh, pathways. So basically, there with zinc, uh, we've definitely seen larger leaf area size and earlier row closure, which in unirrigated potatoes is uh, pretty important, uh, especially here in Atlantic Canada. Do you see any um, particular concerns from growers during the pre-plant stage or have any concerns changed much over the years? I think uh, things have changed. So I think back to the my first time trying to put some pre-plant blends together for one of my growers and still somebody I work with today. And I showed up with about 
you know, 15 different pre-plant blends and 10 different top dresses. And so I had basically a very specific program almost for every square inch of, of the farm. And there's one thing to have a uh, logistically uh, possible program versus a very idealistic way. So I kind of got laughed off the farm. They let me back in. So, you know, I've, I'm happy to say that uh, I've learned my lessons on those things over time. But it's interesting to see it come full circle as well, whereas now with uh, new technologies, growers can actually apply uh, different fertilizer packages very quickly and have uh, spreaders, for instance, that have two different bays that can hold different mixes. So now I've kind of almost come full circle back to growers who want to have those uh, tailor-made and sort of precision blends. And then in terms of understanding the relationships between soils, I again, the last time we talked, I was talking about nutrientalytics. And... We looked at a lot of those things from a tissue perspective the last 10 or so years, but we're really starting to delve into soils and the relationships between things like pH and phosphorus and potassium availability. And uh, we know that we have a very high potassium requirement for the potato crop, and that has effects on things like magnesium and calcium. But we also can affect those things when we choose different sources of nitrogen, like ammoniacal nitrogen versus nitrate nitrogen. So interaction of all of these properties is something we really want to continue to map out and uh, there definitely seems to be a desire or a thirst at the grower level to understand these things much better. Definitely and I think in agriculture in general precision agriculture is kind of a buzzword and it and I think it's more important that you know what to do with the data and how that's actually going to impact your field. So I'm going to turn this over to Kelly. Do you notice anything different in Ontario? So things are done a little bit differently here in Ontario. Um, we tend to have naturally high levels of calcium in our soils. So we really haven't seen that same level of uptake um, with calcium and zinc being applied in furrow. You know, that being said, that's obviously not the case across the boards. We do have some mineral soils here where I think growers would see the benefits of calcium and zinc applied. Otherwise, like Sebastian had already mentioned, our growers here tend to use high pea starters. Um, and with that, we've seen better results with one of our products called TerraDrive going down in furrow. TerraDrive is our PGE or has our PGE package in it. And we've, you know, we've really seen it help early root growth promotion and that really helps to set a lot of tubers we have you know a, a mix of how things are going down here in Ontario some guys are using liquid starters other guys are using granular it's you know probably the same in Atlantic Canada where it's where it's all over the map in that sense but um, obviously like in Atlantic Canada emergence is a super important factor in growing potatoes and we want to make sure that the seed piece has the best possible start with all the available nutrients that it can. Mm -hmm. And in our last episode actually we talked about ensuring good potato emergence but I really want to focus on your experience here. You mentioned how uh, growers really pick what they apply based on their own needs, whether it's liquid or granular, what do you think factors into that decision for growers? What are you seeing in terms of the questions you're being asked when it comes to why this over that? Yeah, a lot of that will come uh, from their soil tests. Some of it, I think, is trends, you know, talking to some of the dealers at the agri-marts, you know, 
one of the agronomists was saying everybody took all their liquid applicators off of their planters um, a couple years ago. And now we're seeing a trend towards going back and putting all those liquid applicators back on. So I think it just probably has to do with the technology, what the needs are at that level, you know, at the, at the planting level and the new, yeah, technologies and products that are on the marketplace. That's really, you know, driving what growers are doing at planting. And it's interesting because last year, as I'm sure you would remember, Ontario had a very wet spring. And I think, you know, that is in the back of the mind of some people, but there is also the saying, never farm on last year's weather. So everyone's kind of coming into this season fresh. Uh, But let's talk about Mm -hmm. um, further in the season, during the season, when the crops are in the ground uh, and the growers are walking their fields. What are some considerations to be mindful of during that time? For sure. Um, we've, you know, we've talked a little bit about emergence, but that's definitely um, one of the first things growers should be looking at, which makes sense if you really think about it. It's the best way to see what the crop potential is going to end up being. Then, you know, past that further into the season, growers should be mindful of how fast emergence occurred after planting and even how the emergence looks across the field. You know, you want to have an even emergence. It's really hard to fix big spaces once the plants are up. After that, you know, we want to start paying attention to plant vigor. We want those plants to be healthy, obviously, and we want those plants growing. As the season progresses, we really want to see row closure happening as soon as possible. Sebastian touched on it a little bit, but this is really critical for any unirrigated fields. Row closure helps to reduce evaporative losses from direct sun coming into contact with the soil. We want the soil to be able to hold on to its moisture, you know, especially into July and August when we're seeing, you know, less frequent rains. That moisture in the soil is really going to help the plant deal with upcoming stresses as the season progresses. So then, you know, once we have row closure or pretty close to it, this is generally when we start talking to growers about tissue sampling, nutrient deficiencies, and even some crop protection strategies. And this is a good time to see if there's any clear nutrient disorders or any problems with pest pressure. We want to make sure things like Colorado potato beetle are under control. Uh, We want to talk about disease management, controls for things like early and late blight, um, obviously big factors in, in growing potatoes. We then continue these conversations, you know, over the growing season with the growers, um, but we overlay them with the results of the tissue samples and what we're seeing from the tissue samples, you know, what products uh, we recommend. And then this kind of happens over the next six to eight weeks um, or right up until top kill. So you mentioned when a grower is in their field, they're looking for how fast their crop is emerging. They're looking for uniform emergence. They're checking uh, plant vigor. 
uh, row closure, like you mentioned, to make sure that the soil keeps its moisture. And you also mentioned tissue sampling. Uh, that's something that Sebastian mentioned in our previous interview with him. And he talked about how tissue sampling provides a good scorecard, if you will, of how your crop is doing in the season. So with some of the issues that you mentioned, the diseases, the pests, the uneven crop emergence, if that's an issue, what are some tools growers have to help them? Yeah, so we did have that conversation in the last podcast about Nutri-Analytics, and I would definitely recommend anybody that's interested to hear more of the you know nuts and bolts of that to check that podcast out. But to give a little perspective, uh, we have spent about the last 10 years looking at trying to map uh, the relationship between yields and things like specific gravity to uh, tissue samples that we've been taking for a decade or more. And so we use this in our own fields. When we have those tissue samples that come back, we use these kinds of uh, artificial intelligence models to uh, also substitute uh, what we typically do, or not to substitute rather, but to complement what we typically do in a good field walk. So I think uh, Kelly touched on it really well, but all of those things that she was mentioning, uh, looking at emergence, vigor, they require walking in the field and they really require uh, an actual scouting the field, not the 80 kilometer drive by that some people will call a field walk. So we really need to make sure that we uh, pull up a lot of plants early on in the season. First time I ever go to a, a new field that we're sampling for a year, uh, I'll definitely be uh, walking it quite a bit longer than I would any other field. And so our senses are very good tools, but we can marry those with some of these modern technologies, uh, like we mentioned, the nutri-analytic system that we have. Things are going to change, obviously, a little bit this year with COVID, uh, but we can have more of these electronic tools being used in, in terms of, of trying to supplement, in this case, some of the things we used to do uh, together in the previous years. Definitely. And to your point about how walking the fields is so important, I had someone in Western Canada actually tell me that your shadow is the best investment you can have in your field. And that's just about being present, scouting, and, and being in your field to see what's going on. I completely agree. A, a pair of boots in the field is uh, one of the best things you can have. And I, I'm mentioning some of the things that we do with growers, but we work with a, a whole concert of other people providing these kinds of agronomic supports for farmers. Uh, you know, they have their own scouting services when it comes to uh, disease and insect management and we'll get uh, information from those scouts they have the dealers that will also be walking their fields and keeping an eye on the on the crop as well and we are in constant contact with everyone as well so it's very important to have a community of uh, people that are walking that field we, obviously there's biosecurity components to that you have to be aware of and and take into account but the more eyes you can have on a problem i think the better off you are so let's talk about that in the context of today uh, with COVID-19, which could last um, or have ramifications in the growing season, do you know how that's going to impact uh, field walking operations? Or is there anything specific you guys are doing? I know you mentioned you have a lot of digital resources. What does what does that look like for you for the upcoming season? Sure. So I, I think anybody who thinks the season's not going to be a little bit different uh, is maybe uh, has their head in the sand on that. But in terms of how it's going to impact us, I think people can also start worrying maybe a little bit prematurely and, and making plans to get thrown out. So we are lucky that we have some people that Kelly was mentioning before that are already 
under this kind of restriction in California, for instance. And uh, it looks like at least in that jurisdiction, people are understanding the importance and the critical importance of the food security system. And so barring some strange circumstance where we don't have that same uh, flexibility, we'll still be able to travel uh, to fields. I just think the major difference is going to be that in most cases when I was doing uh, my grower walks, I would have my farmer uh, in, the, in the farm with, or sorry, in the uh, truck with me. And so that distance is uh, obviously far too close, uh, but a part of that was just the social component. So. Realistically, as long as we meet in the field in separate vehicles, there's usually we enter the field using the, the sprayer road tracks. And so those are generally that more than two meters apart. Uh, so realistically, we can stay uh, a decent distance while still being able to have a conversation of what we're seeing. We would generally pull plants up together, but I think what we'll have to look at is pulling up plants separately and then maybe observing the other person's plants without having touched them. Uh, things like face masks and gloves might become an issue, but again, we'll be following whatever recommendations are put out by the federal government and our provincial agencies on that as well. So on top of that, though, as you're mentioning, when it comes to the, the technology, I think this is going to be the year that uh, people start to understand what technology can do for them. And I am already talking to more and more people who have learned how to use a Zoom meeting or a, a WebEx meeting in the last a uh, week and a half than probably ever uh, in the last five years or so that I've been doing those kinds of meetings. So uh, That's everybody awesome. and their, yeah, everyone and their dog is starting to figure out that there are certain things that we can do that way. And so all my grower meetings, for instance, I'm scheduling them online. So tomorrow starts uh, another slate of these meetings where I sit down and go over the granular recommendations and the soil tests, as we mentioned before. So it's business as usual until we get to that point. And then the platform for Nutrient Analytics, really, uh, we have the ability to capture notes. So if I can't meet with the grower because they're uh, unavailable that time, we can set any observations we've seen in the field. So they can basically be there in the field walk. And we're also capturing photographs. So that was a component we added really because we wanted to watch the row closure progression. And when a tissue sampler takes a sample, they just take a, a row kind of down the row sort of perspective. But we've also added the ability to add photos within the notes. So as we pull up plants, typically every week I go, I'll pull up a couple plants and put them at the end of the row so we can watch the progression of, of the tubers over time. Uh, now we have ca captured in the photographs. So uh, unfortunately, sometimes the field crews might come and take those potatoes away. So we all of a sudden lost our barometer of tubers or they'll break down, especially young tubers will break down if they're in the sun. And in occasions we've had hungry crows that will then eat tubers. So this way we can capture that in a spot where a crow can't eat it, which is nice. And in your previous interview, Sebastian, you mentioned, you know, the community of growers and how much you enjoy working with growers. So it's great to hear that you're still conducting your grower meetings, even though they are online. I think it will be interesting to see how this plays out, especially when a lot of growers are located in rural areas where internet access might not be as uh, strong I don't know if you've heard anything on your end, but I guess for your Nutri-Analytics platform, is it quite is it quite a user-friendly interface or does it require a lot of, because you mentioned photos, how heavy is it as an online platform? If you're trying to go into see a high definition picture, it's gonna have the that kind of component to uh, the download. But as far as navigating it generally, it, it's not a uh, huge data use uh, hog. Certainly we use it on our tablets and in our, our cell phones when we're in field situations. 
there's a couple places where unfortunately there's no reception, so you can't work with that. Um, but yeah, I, I understand exactly those kinds of considerations. I had to kick my children off of the Xbox prior to getting on this podcast or else you wouldn't be able to hear anything I say because uh, here in rural Nova Scotia, uh, internet access is certainly one of the bottlenecks. But you can always turn your video component off when you're having a web meeting and just really try to share screen so you're looking at the same document or, or adapt to that. But it, we're hoping that we're going to get uh, some infrastructure development if, if this is to continue for quite some time. Yeah, and Twitter is also a great way to connect. Was it the MEY program? Do you guys have a hashtag associated with that? Last year, I'm not sure if we had a hashtag associated with it, so um, perhaps. And if not, we certainly will now that you've mentioned it. That's good. So I'll include it in the show notes, but basically you were mentioning it in our previous interview about the MEY program. It's just a bunch of growers who get together. Uh, but I do want to switch to Kelly right now for an Ontario perspective. So this is all about what's happening during the season and how they can be using Nutri-Analytics. Sebastian is from Atlantic Canada, but for Kelly, how relevant is the platform for Ontario conditions and Ontario growers? Yeah, definitely. Um, Nutri-Analytics is slowly uh, gaining some traction here in Ontario. Um, not everyone believes in or does a lot of tissue sampling here. Luckily, th about three years ago, we were able to work with a grower that had some historical tissue sample data. Um, they gave it to us. I was able to give it to Sebastian, and we were able to develop the Ontario model from all that historical data. I really believe that it's a relevant tool growers here in Ontario can use and should be taking advantage of. It's just, you know, it's taking a little bit of time to develop relationships with these growers. Um, I'm not, you know, from the primary potato production area in Ontario, so they have to learn to trust me and, and trust what we're doing here. We had a great start in 2018 with some of our field trials that really helped to validate the Ontario Ontario model. 2019 was a bit different. Obviously, uh, you've touched on it. The the weather, you know, threw trial work right out the window. Um, and we just, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't work with, well, it's hard to work with things you can't control. But mentioning our MEY, we actually had a really good turnout of Ontario growers this year. And with that, I, you know, I've seen a spike in the level of interest for Nutri-Analytics in Ontario. I'm, you know, always looking for growers to work with. We've actually hired a summer student this year with Nutri-Ag. Um, she's going to help me uh, hopefully be able to hit all the fields that we need to hit for this year. You know, our, our lab is in Ontario, which is great for Ontario growers. We can we can sample, you know, and have them in the lab the same day. So, yeah, if there's, you know, anybody that's interested in working with me this year, um, I can, you know, I think we can leave my phone number and, and email with the notes or I can say it now if you'd like. <laughs> I can put everything in the notes. I think it's hard when people hear a phone number to remember it. So it's just easier if. I'll list everyone's contact and, and some notes from today and everything will be available online and the link, I'll say that at the end. But you mentioned field trials in Ontario. Where in Ontario were those done? So we were able to do those uh, up in the Alliston area with one of the growers up there. 
we did a full season trial um, with one of these growers. We started with, you know, calcium and zinc and furrow. We did, you know, six or I believe it was even eight uh, tissue samples. We made recommendations based on that tissue sample. And, you know, the grower, we had a, a full treated and an untreated side. So we were, like I said, able to validate it. And the grower did see, you know, a good yield increase following following our program, which was really nice to see. And I think when it comes to what you were talking about earlier, building trust with growers, having field trial data is so important to be able to back it up in terms of will this work in my environment or what were the things that they had to deal with. But you mentioned also that you aren't from around the, the main potato production area. I know Sebastian's out from out east. Where are you originally based? So right now I am in Strathroy, Ontario, which is just, you know, about 25 minutes west of London. But I actually grew up just outside of Toronto and I went to high school with a bunch of people in the Alliston area. So I'm, I, I am quite familiar with it. And it's, uh, it's an area that I'm really getting to know. Um, like I said, I've, I've been up there. This will be my third year traveling up there to work with growers. And do you also come from a... Um... A potato background or tell us a little bit about how you kind of got started in potatoes. Uh, so not a potato background. I actually, my grandfather grew onions and he used to drive them into the Ontario food terminal. That's where he would sell them. When I started with, with Nutri-Egg, I was working a lot with row crops, so your corn, soybeans and wheat, but we were really um, looking to develop the Ontario potato model and and looking to launch Nutri-Analytics here in Ontario. And because, you know, my background is is research and our, our Ontario sales guys are busy enough as it is, I got tasked with with doing that and with working in potatoes, which has been a lot of fun. That's great to hear. And, and it's interesting how you mentioned the food terminal because I know potatoes are particularly popular right now, especially if you've been hearing in the news how fresh demand is up, grocery stores are running out of potatoes during the pandemic. So this is a good time to get into potatoes for you. Yes, it definitely is. I've heard, I've heard the same things. So let's wrap this up uh, with the season ahead of us. If you can boil it down to one key takeaway that you have for growers, what would it be? Let's do Sebastian first, and then Kelly, you can say your key takeaway after. Sure. So I think actually I'm going to uh, sort of echo what you were saying, Stephanie, earlier, which is you shouldn't really uh, farm based on last year's season. So we sit down at this time, uh, we plan a really comprehensive schedule of what we want to do in the season. And then sometimes a lot of those things get thrown out the window because it's so hectic and we're trying to jam in a large crop in a very short amount of time. So I know it's hard to do it, but I would encourage people to try to stay calm uh, during those times and stick to the plan. So if we can, you know, remember what it is we were trying to do and why we were trying to make these, uh, these decisions, then uh, we can take the time to do things right. And that really comes to things like attention to detail. So I mentioned my, my mentor, Wilfred Kelly, the last episode that we had, and that was one of his, his key sayings that he would remind me is that if you have your ducks in a row and basically if any one of those ducks is not on the right path, then you don't get uh, the full effect of any component of a program. So 
if we don't get the planting things right, then we can't expect to get very much effect from our uh, crop protection programs because we've already lost our yield potential. And so I really think things like seed handling, what we're going to do for crop protection, and then mostly staying on the land before it's fit. So you mentioned basically of how wet it was last year. Let's just take our time to get on the field so that we don't we don't end up with mucked up soils and hard hills. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of what Sebastian already touched on, you know, just breathe and and be adaptable, which I think anybody that works in agriculture or farms is already very well versed in. You know, we're fighting mother nature. That's our biggest variable. So just, you know, making sure that you have your your plan in place, stick to it the best that you can, but also be a little bit flexible. In our last interview with Sebastian, I asked him a fun question to end things off. Kelly, I'd like to also ask you the same question. What is your favorite way to eat potatoes? <laughs> nice. Uh, so my family's favorite way to eat potatoes is roasted. Um, we do them uh, with olive oil, a little bit of salt and pepper, and I have a, a caramelized onion and garlic seasoning powder that we put over top. That sounds amazing. Thank you both for taking the time to speak with me today. And I will include any of the resources that were mentioned and contact information in our show notes. So thanks again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Stephanie. We'd also like to thank our podcast sponsors, NutraAg and NutraAnalytics for their support of the show. To learn more, check out NutraAct.com and MyNutraAnalytics.com. Thank you for listening to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Catch up on all of our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or online at PotatoesInCanada.com slash podcast.